Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. The Word of God is so marvelous. The more you discover of its infinite riches and hidden treasures, the more you realize that there is far more to see than we could ever possibly exhaust. Its structure, its order, even the subtle ways in which various passages begin are full of meaning and significance. For example, consider a passage that you may have read hundreds of times and never really stopped to consider. Paul begins his letters to the church in Thessalonica, not in a general way, but in a way that is unique from the way he opened any of his letters to the other churches. Paul and Silvanus, he writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Bill Lawson has joined us for our third program now of this new life study on the book of First uh, Thessalonians. And Bill, even in the uh, simple greeting we just read, we'll see there is a lot of meaning here, isn't there? Really so. It's good to be back here in the program, Chris. Apparently, it's just a, a mere greeting that Paul goes through in formality until he gets into the, the main burden, what he wants to say. But really, there is a lot here hidden that we have to see that uh, Brother Lee brings out uh, in his life study. Uh, Bill, we will uh, focus on this verse and particularly this simple opening to the church of the Thessalonians. This, the phrase, is the one that I was uh, referring to a moment ago when I said it was unique to the way Paul opened his other letters. He would say things like, to the church which is in Corinth, and uh, expressions like this. But this time he specifically says, to the church of the Thessalonians, and we'll see that that is not insignificant. But in addition to that, Hidden in the pages of this very first chapter, uh, not in a uh, easy-to-recognize way, but in a definite way, as we'll hear in the coming portion, and as we join Witness Lee here in a moment, we see the three of the triune God, the three of the Godhead, marvelously displayed. Let me go ahead and read a couple of other verses, if I could. Remember now, we have in this verse, of course, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then in verse 10, and await his Son from the heavens, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath which is coming. And then in the middle of the chapter, buried in verses 5 and 6, listen, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, even as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Verse 6, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. We have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Spirit, don't we, Bill? Really so. It's buried there, but you have to get into it to realize. You've got the first of the Trinity there in the first verse, and then you jump down to the end of the chapter, and you have the second of the Trinity, and then you go to the middle of the, that chapter in verses 5 and 6, and you have the third of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So the entire triune God is structured there in chapter 1. And uh, as we uh, have seen in the first couple of programs, remember, this book and this letter 
to the church in Thessalonica, written to a new church, new believers. Paul had passed through about one year prior and had spent a few weeks only laboring in the gospel in the synagogue and probably elsewhere, and quite a response. And now a year later, not only have they survived these young believers, Bill, but they are thriving, aren't they? Really so. If you get into the book of Acts, when Paul first went there, of course, he went into the synagogue, as he usually did, and the word there in Acts tells us that he spent at least three weeks just ministering the word to them and brought a good number of the Thessalonians to Christ. Well, you said as we get into this, and that's what we're about to do. So let's join Witness Lee, uh, and then we'll have his fellowship, and then that will give you and I uh, more opportunity to have a fellowship of our own. So here's Witness Lee with our first segment. The subject of the message tonight is the triune God embodied in the Word to produce a holy life for the church life. In verse 1, you do have God the Father, don't you? God the Father is the first of the triune God. In the last verse, you have God the Son. So meaningful. In the beginning of the chapter, you have God the Father. And in the end of the chapter, you have God the Son. Then in between, verse 5 tells you, the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit. So this chapter is showing us the triune God to do something. Have you seen this? Verse 1, you have God the Father. Verse 10, God the Son. Verse 5, God the Spirit. So you could see this is a chapter on the triune God. The triune God is the element of the construction of the New Testament. You sisters, in your coating, you do have groceries. Groceries are the elements of your coating. You have beef, you have fish, you have vegetables, you have rice, flour, and so forth. You have all this good stuff as elements for your coating. You have to realize what are the elements of the composition of the New Testament. What are the elements of the composition of this chapter? The triune God. God the Father. God the Son. God the Spirit. Already here. Bill, of course, he made the point better than you and I tried to at the uh, beginning there of the seeing the triune God, the three of the triune God, really uh, manifested in these uh, 10 short verses. But a couple of other things came out that I think are worth visiting. First of all, he said the subject of this message is the triune God embodied in the Word to produce a holy life for the church life. And uh, that is a very apt description of the church that existed in this ancient Greek or Macedonian city as it was at that time. Then secondly, uh, near the end, he said the triune God is the element of the composition of the New Testament. Talk about either or both of these points, if you would. 
of course, when Brother Lee talks about the matter of the triune God embodied, it's not just the triune God, but we have to realize throughout the New Testament we can see the triune God was embodied in his word. We know the Father, as Brother Lee said, is the first of the Trinity. And that Father one day was embodied in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Son is the embodiment of the Father, and then the Lord took another step, we know, from 1 Corinthians 15 to become the life-giving Spirit. So the Spirit there is the realization of the Son, who is the expression of the Father. So you have the triune God now there embodied in the man, Jesus Christ, becoming the life-giving Spirit, and now this entire triune God comes to us in his word. So the entire triune God is embodied in the word. So when ones like Paul, for example, when he went to Thessalonica and he ministered there in the synagogues of the city, he was ministering the very triune God that had come into him. And as he was speaking the word, the triune God was embodied contained and even conveyed in the words that he spoke. So when the listeners, those Thessalonian people there, when they were listening to Paul's words, the very triune God as life was entering into them. The words contain the life of God, and they also convey the very triune God as life to us, thereby regenerating them Mm -hmm. and making them the genuine believers. How about this matter of uh, the element of the New Testament? Of course, when we look at all the epistles, mainly in the New Testament, we can see that Paul structured the entire New Testament epistles with the very triune God. In other words, if the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, is not the element, is not the content, is not the reality of what he said, then everything would collapse, because the triune God is a very supporting structure of everything in the Christian life, everything in the church life, and everything that makes a Christian what he is. Again, if you take away the triune God, Paul's letters are without content. Right. They're without reality. Right. They have no meaning whatsoever. So it's very important here, even in the very first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, Paul gets right into the structure of the triune God. So many things are um, contained or implied in the Trinity, in the triune God here. I mean, without that, God to man is distant, abstract, detached, and we have, you know, the marvelous types and pictures in the Old Testament, but we don't have that intimate, interactive uh, connectivity to God that we have by virtue of his being triune in the process that he has gone through, which we've talked about many times. So this is really the key. And now as we get in and talk a little bit about the background of the uh, Thessalonians, it'll become, I think, even more striking. Right. Okay, let's talk about that point now. Uh, We made mention of the fact that Paul began this letter, the first uh, letter to the Thessalonians, in a unique way. Unique except for one other book, actually, which is 2 Thessalonians, which he begins virtually identically. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The only change here in the expression is he substitutes our Father for the Father that he used in the first book. But now, Bill, we're going to hear Witness Lee talk about this expression, the church of the Thessalonians. Why is this significant? Well, if you you mentioned earlier, Chris, about when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he said, to the church of God, which is in Corinth. The church is an entity, but it has a physical location and expression in the city of Corinth. Here, it's not a location. Here, it's a kind of a people. 
So it's the church of the Thessalonians, whereas there in Corinth is the church of God, which is in Corinth. This shows that this church is of certain people, not the natural Thessalonians who have a natural, you know, a nature that is obviously unbelieving and very sinful. But this shows that the church that we can be a part of right, is has its source in God, the Father, yet it involves people who live in a particular city who may, in their background, have been very sinful and very idolatrous, right. yet they have become the church of God, yet of the Thessalonians. Yeah, it's as if Paul is drawing particular attention to the fact that this church was of the Thessalonians, and we'll realize, and I think in a couple of minutes here after we join Witness Lee, there was some meaning implied there. Why don't we find out about that? And here's Witness Lee with that. In these two books, we are told the church is of the saved sinners, of Thessalonians. In other epistles, Paul used to say to the church which is at Corinth or what place. But here, he rather say to the church of the Thessalonians. And you have to realize, according to history, Thessalonians were fallen people. Terrible! If you have ever read the history of Macedonia and Achaia. Achaia is right today's Greece. In Achaia, you have Athens, you have Corinth. In Macedonia, you have Philippi and Thessalonica. My, the history tells us Thessalonians didn't have a good name. Sinful, dirty, adulterous, fornicators. But they got regenerated. They got born of God because they believed in Christ. Right? There was such a group of people in that dirty, evil city. Church was of them in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Such an expression is marvelous. There is a group of sinners, the dancers, the drinkers, the gamblers, all those simple people, they got saved. And they become Christians, and now they are in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. The church is in such a wonderful situation. The church is not only in the Father, but also in our Lord. Well, this involves the Trinity. Bill, I hope our listeners caught this point. To me, it is absolutely marvelous. If you do any research onto the situation in Thessalonica, it was a notorious city full of uh, all kinds of worldly, sinful activity, kind of a hub of that kind of thing. And we may think of a couple of cities in our culture, our society, that would uh, we could fill in in that context. So that helps us, I think, identify with this situation. And so Paul, specifically drawing attention to the fact that the church is of this group, of this place, of these kinds of people, 
it becomes a glorifying to the Father and really a shame to his enemy, isn't it? That's exactly right, Chris. About a year and a half ago, I traveled to Thessalonica. It's a seaport. And like you say, it was really a notoriously evil place. There was idolatry, immorality, sinfulness, drinking, debauchery, all these kind of things was just the very characteristic of that city. So anyone who was from Thessalonica had a reputation. They were not good people. Yet, as you're saying, it is a real glory to God that God could, through Paul, go into a city like that and minister the Word, raise up a church life there, and shame the enemy who had polluted those Thessalonians to the uttermost, yet the Lord could turn around and save those people, regenerate them, and begin to live in them a holy life, that is a real shame to the enemy and a glory to God. That's the significance of the church of the Thessalonians, that the church is composed of people like us who a number of us had that kind of background, yet the Lord could take us out of that background and call us the church. That is marvelous. It is marvelous, Bill. And just to add to the good point you just made, not only did the Lord find some willing to respond to the gospel in such an evil, dark place, but this church became, as we saw yesterday, a kind of a model, a pattern for both the regions of Achaia and Macedonia. These were believers who were really experiencing living a holy life for the church life to the point where others were inspired by their pattern. And that makes it even more remarkable, doesn't it? Really, so no doubt the word spread quickly that there is something going on in Thessalonica. Even it spread to Philippi, Athens, and Corinth, and those places, that there is really something going on here, that the Lord could really revolutionize the life of those Thessalonians who lived there, to turn them, like Paul says, from idols, idolatry, to what? To serve the living God. This is a real glory to God's salvation, how dynamic God's salvation is. Well, Witness Lee was not through with this first uh, simple verse uh, by just pointing out this matter of the church being of the Thessalonians. But now the next uh, preposition in this verse, in God the Father, gets his attention, and it's of at least equal importance and meaning. The church is in such a God. Who is the Father, the Lord, and Jesus Christ? When I worked on this verse... I realize this kind of expression is not a simple thing. So, I went to uh, the Nazareth New Testament because in the end of last century, he was authority on the New Testament Greek. He does have some good point here. You know, he says what? Let me tell you. He says, this word in, the church of Thessalonians in God, this word in denotes communion, and participation in. The church is a group of people in common union with God. Who is in the participation in God? In this two epistles, Paul didn't use the preposition of. He used the preposition in. Not just in God and in Christ, but in God the Father, in God the Father, and in our Lord the Father, indicates a relationship of life. God is no more merely our God. God today 
is the father of the church people. Because all the church people have been born of God. This is wonderful. Not only so, not only Jesus Christ, but our Lord. God is our Father, and Jesus Christ is our Lord. The church is in such a way. Such a kind of tradition. The Father and our Lord, Jesus Christ, this is the expression of the triune God. If God is not triune, how could he be the Father and the Son? And this implies he is not only the Father and the Son, but also the Holy Spirit. So if you read on to verse 5, the Holy Spirit, this is the triune God. So, these two books reveal to us that the church is a group of saved sinners in the Chayunga. Bill, Witness Lee was not the only uh, lover and scholar of the Bible that focused on even things like two-letter prepositions in and of, uh, they're significant. And others that have gone before, like Dean Alford, who we referred to, and many others, have also found great richness in the meaning that enhances our understanding of the Scripture when we do pay attention. These are meaningful in this passage, in this chapter, very much, aren't they? Really. So, of course, Dean Alford was quite a famous Greek scholar. And it's amazing Brother Lee picked up on that uh, Greek knowledge of Dean Alford and to emphasize what Dean Alford said about these prepositions like of, you know, denoting source, origin, that the church is made up of Thessalonians, but not Thessalonians in the natural life or the unregenerated situation. They were once Thessalonians, but now they have been transferred into God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. They are now in another person. They were once in Adam, Thessalonians, you know, sinful, but now they have been transferred by Christ, into God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So in is a very meaningful word. It can mean uh, union. It can also imply a communion, where once we are in union with the triune God, then we need to have a daily fellowship or communion with that union that we are in. And it also can denote participation, that we are not only in positionally, we are in subjectively and in a participating way that every day we can participate in the life and nature of the Father, we can participate in the riches of the Son, and we can also participate in all the blessings of the Holy Spirit. So when Paul used of the Thessalonians and in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, it's very, very meaningful. Similar to uh, Peter's word in his second letter that we are partakers of the divine nature, that aspect of participation is really conveyed here, isn't it? Yes, very, very much. And this is the whole point here. It's not just a matter that uh, we got out of our natural man and we got into God, but we need to realize we need to be in God the Father. And that denotes a life relationship, a life union, not just a once-for-all life union when we were regenerated, but that implies we should have an 
organic daily fellowship and communion with the triune God every day. And that brings us back to the matter at the beginning of the holy life. Right. It's not just a matter of just being regenerated once, right. but after we're regenerated, right away we need to partake of the divine nature. We need to participate in all that he is and live a holy life for the church life. And then like the Thessalonians, we are those that are formerly of this place or that place, but now are found in God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. That's the condition we all seek, isn't it, Bill? Mm -hmm. Really so. Good to have you here. Nice fellowship today. Right. Very good. We'll have uh, more opportunities, Lord willing, as we continue on now in these books of First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, we hope you'll contact us right away so that you can get the printed volumes for this new life study that we're in. This volume contains both the life studies for First and Second Thessalonians, if you'd like to get that or find out about the other things we have available at Living Stream, including the recovery version and so many other things. Call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Join us again tomorrow. We continue now in our first week of this life study of First Thessalonians. For Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening today. In both the first and last book of the Bible, God presents himself to man as the tree of life. Throughout the Bible, God is portrayed as food for man to eat and life for man to enjoy. In the tree of life, Witness Lee presents a view of God's heart that is little understood and seldom experienced by Christians today, revealing that it is God's desire that we receive Christ experience Christ, and enjoy Christ as our moment-by-moment -moment supply. The Tree of Life from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.